Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, June sixth episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December of 2018, we have brought to you over 115 poets from 13 countries on five continents, and we hope to continue to do that with your support. And you can support us by going to poetsandmuses.com/donate. And donate via either PayPal or your preferred credit cards. Our episode today features Dennis Ernest Sesanga, with whom I will be discussing his poem "Beggar on the Street" and my poem "Sightseeing." Before we do that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of June seventh. On Monday, June seventh, from 8:30 p.m. Amsterdam time. Labyrinth will be hosting its weekly open mic. You can find out more information at labyrinthamsterdam.nl/poundsignevents. Again, that's labyrinthamsterdam.nl/poundsignevents. From 7:30 to 8:30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Word Works and the Writers Center will be hosting Cafe Muse featuring Tara Campbell and Meg Kearney. You can find out more information at writer.org/reading-events. Again, that's writer.org/reading-events. From 8 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground. We play clean open mic via Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. From 7 to 8:30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Los Angeles Poets Society will be hosting their Meditation Monday Writing Workshop with Alex Petunia. You can find out more information at the Poetic Petunia on Instagram. Again, that's at the Poetic Petunia on Instagram. On Tuesday, June 8th, from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting their first draft open mic. For those between the ages of 13 and 23, again, it's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information at urbanwordnyc.org/first-draft. Again, that's at urbanwordnyc.org/first-draft. From 8 to 10:30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Alexa Lash and Kiana Major will be hosting their creatively undistanced open mic. You can find out more information at Major Muse on Instagram. Again, that's at Major Muse on Instagram. From 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground. We play dirty open mic via Instagram Live at Poets underscore Playground underscore. Again, that's at Poets underscore. Playground underscore. From 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Poetry Center San Jose and Works San Jose Art and Performance Center will be hosting their well-read open mic featuring Anouk Ye and Mahdur Aklilu. 
You can find out more information at pcsj.org. Again, that's at pcsj.org. On Wednesday, June 9th, from 6 p.m. Amsterdam time, Word Up Amsterdam will be hosting their Inspiration Factory Writing Workshop by Janice. You can find out more information and register at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com forward slash workshops. Again, that's at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com forward slash workshops.html. From 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Dumore Baltimore will be hosting their weekly World Tour Poetry Club. You can find out more information at dumorebaltimore.org forward slash workshops events. Again, that's dumorebaltimore.org forward slash workshops events. From 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, City of Asylum will be hosting their From Pittsburgh to Beirut, an evening of literary connections with performances from Celeste Ganey, Crystal Willing, Noor Turkmani, Patricia Ward, Malia Ayake, Rima Rentisi, and other artists. You can find out more information at cityofasylum.org. Again, that's at cityofasylum.org. From 7.15 Central Daylight Time, Luya Poetry will be hosting Luya Number 32, Self-Portrait. You can find out more information at Luya Poetry on Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's at Luya Poetry on Instagram and Twitter. From 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Literary Arts will be hosting their weekly poetry workshop with Louis Varesto. You can find out more information at beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops dot html. Again, that's at beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops dot html. On Thursday, June 10th, from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Poet Lore and the Writers Center will be hosting their virtual craft chat with poet Chitlat Sabri. You can find out more information at writer.org forward slash reading hyphen events. Again, that's at writer.org forward slash reading hyphen events. From 7 to 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time, True R Speaks will be hosting their Reverb Open Mic hosted by Lieutenant Suni. You can find out more information at trueartspeaks.org forward slash events. Again, that's at trueartspeaks.org forward slash events. From 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Literary Arts will be hosting their reading with Puma Pearl and Iris Berry. You can find out more information at beyondbaroque.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at beyondbaroque.org forward slash calendar. On Friday, June 11th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their Speak Your Truth writing workshop. And you can find out more information by messaging the host, Andrina Leanne, at survivor.andrina.leanne on Instagram. Again, that's at survivor.andrina.leanne on Instagram. Andrina is A-N-D-R-E-E-N-A. And Leanne is L-E-E-A-N-N-E. From 7 p.m. West African time, Graciano and Worm and Nepal Flower 
will be hosting their Corona versus open mic via Instagram live at Graciano and Warm. That's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. Again, that's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. From 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Los Angeles Poet Society will be hosting their monthly Lunario Poetico, Spanish language open mic, microfono abierto en español. You can find out more information at lapoetsociety.org forward slash events. Again, that's at lapoetsociety.org forward slash events. On Saturday, June 12th, from 8 to 9.30 p.m. India Standard Time, our past poet guest, Umesh Mohikar, will be hosting his Let's Unmesh Life open mic. You can find out more information at Umesh Mohikar on Instagram. Again, that's at Umesh Mohikar on Instagram. That's U-N-M-E-S-H-M-O-H-I-T-K-A-R. Again, that's U-N-M-E-S-H-M-O-H-I-T-K-A-R. From 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Root Slam will be hosting their virtual writing workshop, this time for Black writers 18 plus only. You can find out more information at rootslam.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at rootslam.org forward slash calendar. From 12 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Poetry Passport will be hosting their writer's workshop with a theme of commitment. You can find out more information at the Poetry Passport on Instagram. Again, that's at the Poetry Passport on Instagram. From 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Writer Center will be hosting their Station to Station Plume at the Writer Center, moderated by Amanda Newell, featuring Elena Karina Brin, Lois P. Jones, Yusef Komuyaka, and Laren McClung. You can find out more information at writer.org forward slash reading hyphen events. Again, that's writer.org forward slash reading hyphen events. From 5 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, City of Asylum will be hosting their Echo Justice for All Dreaming Interruptions workshop with Joy Katz. You can find out more information at cityofasylum.org. Again, that's cityofasylum.org. On Sunday, June 13th, from 4.45 to 7 p.m. British time, Andrina and G-Joy will be hosting their Adult Survivors Open Mic. You can find out more information at Adult Survivors Open Mic on Instagram. Again, that's at Adult Survivors Open Mic on Instagram. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Kaveh Kanem Poets will be hosting their A Kind of Heaven, the first years of Kaveh Kanem featuring Elizabeth Alexander Toy Derricott. Cornelius Edie, Terence Hayes, and Afa M. Weaver. You can find out more information at kavekanampoets.org forward slash event. Again, that's kavekanampoets.org forward slash event. From 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Keep the Mic On will be hosting their weekly event. You can find out more information at keepthemicon.com. Again, that's at keepthemicon.com. 
From 6.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Poetry Center San Jose will be hosting their San Jose Poetry Slam. You can find out more information at pcsj.org. Again, that's at pcsj.org. And now let us turn to our Poet Guest of the Week, Dennis Ernest Sisanga. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited. Great. Wonderful. Me too. You brought with you the poem, Beggar on the Street. Yes. And I would love for you to read that, and then we discuss it. But before we do that, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah, I'm Dennis Asang, as you already mentioned. I'm a public health specialist. Very passionate about health, poetry, been writing, started out writing in my childhood days, been a participant with the Lantern Meet of Poets, it's a society that grooms poets. And then uh, from there, we went on and started the Open Mic Uganda, which is a platform that gives, which is a platform that gives opportunity to anyone who's interested in sharing their skills and then what they have on mind, basically. Right. Yeah, so we've been running the Open Mic Uganda platform for the past 10 years. Wow. So, yeah, we used to organize shows in bars, small places. Right. Yeah, before right. spoken word was appreciated. Right. Because we wanted to give poets a monthly platform where they can yeah. share something that's relevant to their community and it's currently resonating with their hearts. Right. Yeah, right. so. I yeah. think you're still doing that, aren't yeah. you, at the Lazy Pony? Yes, uh, we've been at the Lazy Pony. Right. And also, we've gone further to take the spoken word platform in the refugee camps. There's a project we are yeah. currently la- running that's being funded by the European Union. Mm-hmm, we are teaching great. all refugees basically the, the power that lies within poetry as a psychosocial tool mm-hmm. of self-relief and also communication about issues that concern them within the community. Great, great. Yeah. And how long have you been going into the refugee camps? Uh, we started out towards the end of last year. Okay. And that's when we went out to one of these, it's one of the biggest, right. called Nachivare. Okay. Yeah, refugee camp. Okay. Yeah, so in there, there are Somalis, Eritreans, Randis, Congolese. Right, right. Yeah, people from various walks of life. Yeah, I yeah. heard. I have previously interviewed Gideon. Yeah. And he, I yeah, think he yeah. at least was at that particular refugee camp for yes. a little bit. Right? Yes. You work with Murray Shirat. Yes. And how did you start? to do this particular thing, going into the refugee camps. The refugee camps, that one came as a concept. We saw a call for, for projects that could be done in the community and we saw it as relevant. Right. So we put together the concept and we shared it with Culture at Work and they actually loved it. So they were like, yes, we're willing to fund this. Nice. If you guys are willing to take the poets down from, because we have some who come as far as Nairobi to oh, give them wow. a wide variety of skill, yeah. Of poetry, yeah. So yeah. there are some from Uganda, uh, both uh, ladies and, 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 and men, right, uh, right. with different skills when it comes to spoken word performance and writing. Yeah. So that they can uh, look at them as role models. Yeah. 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 It's really wonderful, as you know, with Gideon, whose episodes came out in September. Yeah. It's wonderful because, as you know, it really gave him a sense of having a purpose again. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what you encounter a lot? Actually, it's what we're encountering. First, you know, like it was a feeling we got ex- exposed to mm-hmm. through poetry. So like instead of just keeping it to ourselves, encountering the purpose, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go share it with other people. Because the people, even in the refugee camps who 
were sitting down on their talents, their skill of writing mm-hmm. and performance. Mm-hmm. But when they were exposed to how versatile poetry can be, right. they found greater purpose. They always look out to seeing us visit mm-hmm. so we carry on events. Right. So just recently, they had a very big open mic mm-hmm. event yeah. organized by them, and it was really powerful. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I understand you guys also, I don't know if you and Murray work on this together, yes. uh, teach high school students. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so we've been going a lot more into the secondary schools because we know that the platform for the platform to exist, you need to have new talent, people getting yes. yeah, coming on to share their works. With time, we realize that there are some people who, who when they grow and they have other commitments, there are some who become slow and performing. Yeah. But then we still need new blood. So we've been going yeah. to secondary schools, organizing shows, taking to them. The same thing we've done in the refugee camps, taking to them uh, experienced poets mm-hmm. yeah, so that they can look at how they brand their poetry. We take to them people from various walks of life, right. like the lawyers and all that, and those yeah. who have poetry as their career. Mm-hmm. So we take them through workshops in mm-hmm. terms of performance, uh, writing, and also we give them exposure when it comes to publication that you actually can publish your, your works. Oh, and that's you can, great. Yeah, that you can write about any issues you have at heart or issues that are prevalent within your community. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've gone to many schools. We've gone to Kayaza, we've gone to Budo, uh, we've gone to Aga Khan. Yeah, Aga Khan is amazing. Yeah. But I think Aga Khan is one of your older schools yes. right, that you've been going to. How long have you been going to Aga Khan? Uh, we've been we've gone there since, I think, more than five years. Ah, that's yeah. why. Yeah, these yeah. students are really mature. Yeah. You've watched them really basically from the very beginning, Yes, right? yes. Yeah. I felt really honored to go to the fourth annual event, your, yeah. your competition. Yeah. The amount of talent. Yeah. yeah, I was just completely blown away it was so amazing yes yeah and the way they would express themselves and some issues you're like okay i concur with what she's saying what Mm -hmm. she's saying and the art of performance yeah 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 Yeah, there were some amazing poets who's you know the the way that they come at some issues and you thought oh this is a new way of looking at this it's really interesting yes yeah, it's, it's wonderful what you're doing. I don't think I had a chance to speak with you in length about this, but yeah. in Phoenix also there are some programs similar to yours. It's called Arizona Masters of Poetry. That's okay. one of them. But there are several yeah. that also go into high school, secondary schools, yes. and teach students to express themselves yeah. through spoken word especially. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar. It's lovely, and I hope you know maybe we can do an exchange at some point. True, true, but, true. Yeah, but anyway, back to you, actually. You mentioned in the beginning when you were introducing yourself that you got into a program. Uh, Okay, it's a society of poets. It's called the Lantern Meet of Poets. Lantern Meet of Poets. Yeah, Lantern Meet of Poets. It's a very big society. It's been around. It started as a group of students in university, Macquarie University. Right, right. But then they used to invite their friends together in one of the halls. Right. Those who believed in poetry, criticism, they used to meet like every fortnight mm-hmm. so on the Sunday they sit down in the afternoon and then they discuss people's poetry they come up with themes and then they discuss so mm-hmm. they'll collect the poetry and every year they'll have like uh, two recitals okay yeah. personally I took part in five recitals oh nice yeah and uh, I think the last one was Broken Voices of a Revolution okay yeah, I took part in that recital where I performed also my, some of my poetry was performed in the same mm-hmm. actually they did release in one of the books right now they're into publishing they have a number of books that they have yeah. This one, uh, Broken Voices of the Revolution, was one of the first books they released. Mm-hmm. And currently they have Streetlights at Noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
It's a book that features more than 40 poets with quite a variety of poetry wow. that has been collected over 12 years. Yeah, That's so amazing. They released it as uh, celebrating 12 years of poetry and growing stronger. So in that society, there are youths who are very passionate about poetry from various walks of life. There are those who are into medicine, mm-hmm. law, engineering, mm-hmm. architecture. But when you look at all of them, one thing brings them all together, the love they have for poetry, right, yes, right. which is really strong. And actually, it makes me realize the power that lies within poetry that can be yes. used as a tool for advocacy, a tool for speaking about social issues. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. And, that, and I think they have a very good cause. And also helping youth realize that you could use poetry as a way of uh, living, mm-hmm. that however much people despise it, there are people who are ready and willing to read your works yeah. and perhaps identify with you and concur, get solutions from yeah. what you aired out in a creative way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I've been finding as well since I started I started this podcast last December yes. around Christmas time. Yeah. And I've interviewed about almost 50 poets. You might be my 50th. i I, I got to go back and count. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to you, I find also people who dabble in poetry or people who are professional poets, but a lot of them have a profession that they, they work on. Yeah. And they come from all walks of life, yes. you know, as you said. And it's really amazing. It's that, that unification, the love of poetry, yes. that same kind of language yeah. that we all speak. Yeah. That I mean, that's why I'm here interviewing you, because we love poetry. Yeah. So speaking of poetry, if you don't mind reading your poem, and then yeah. we can talk about it. That, that's okay. Great. Yeah, so Beggar on the Street, that's one of the points from my book, Ivory Footprints. Mm-hmm. Beggar on the Street. The beggar was not my brother. It was simply me out there on the street, deeply in need of love and utmost care. It's so amazing how a man can walk and he so fails to meet his heart's need. Another hand extending, he comments. Another mother's child begging, But that child has got his own mother. It's every man for his own self. Survival for the fittest, as Charles Darwin said. The comments never end. But we simply forget the mirror effect. We forget that we are part of the country that is deeply in need of love and utmost care. It's not another mother's child begging, but the other part of you, deeply in need of love and utmost care. Imagine your child as the next beggar on the street. Shall you not meet his need for love and utmost care? For God and my country. Thank you. So now that you told me you have a public health background, yes. the second stanza even makes even more sense. Yeah. yeah, I see a lot of that coming through. Yeah. So this is in the section called Life, Society, and Dreams yeah. from your book. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and when did it come out? Uh, this book was released in June 2017. That's two years back. Okay. Yeah, but this piece I wrote it five years back. Ah. Yeah, so usually I observe 
and then mm-hmm. I, I, I get concepts on my mind and like I need to write about this, mm-hmm. especially when there are things that I pick from different people mm-hmm. and I need to preserve. The book has a number of themes, about up to seven themes. Mm-hmm. So different works that are in there, just a bit of that in, right. the, in the first volume. So it's the first volume of the many volumes to come. Oh. Yeah, so I have two more books that are ready for release. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Great. Can we find this book online? Can we buy it online? Yes, you can buy the book online. If you go to Amazon and search for Ivory Footprints, oh. you can find the e-book. There's okay. a copy there's yeah, nice. both in hard and soft copy. Oh, nice, yeah. nice, nice, so wonderful. There are some bookshops that are already stocking the book as well. Oh, okay. And in turn, the Page Africa ships books around. Oh. Yeah, and they deliver it straight to your address as well. Nice. Yeah. Okay, good. So this was written five years ago. Yes. Tell me what was, I don't know if you're kind of the poet that if you encounter something that really moves you, then you have to write about it right away. Or if you're one of those poets, you see something and then you sit on it for a while. And then you write. Actually, I do. I do happen to exhibit both tendencies. Oh. There are those that I encounter and write there and then, and then mm-hmm. there are those that are deep. It brews deep inside me yeah. as I think over it. I'm like, okay, it's a feeling that mm-hmm. I take time to define. Right. Yeah. Like this piece was an experience I'd been seeing over time, and uh, like when I used to see the beggars on the street, like why is it that there are children mm-hmm. there? Is it that we are not solving the issues? Mm-hmm. What could have led? this to happen. So I, ha- I end up thinking and connecting different puzzles because like how they say that there's some, there can be secondary and third results of one action. Right. So I try to see what could have caused this and that and the other. Right. Sometimes right. the decisions that are made by our leaders or the decisions that are made by individuals we as we or like the, the people who have responsibility in communities may not directly yield to something but they will indirectly push people to the streets right. and deny them certain opportunities that they all deserve. Right. Yeah. I've seen actually many people who are begging on the streets as well in Kampala yeah. and I've seen people sleeping on the street yes. as well. And actually I wanted to ask you this. I've been told by other people that I know that there are some beggars who are being forced to go back on the streets yeah. Yeah. basically as a part of a syndicate or gangs. Yeah. So that is true. Yeah. Okay. Actually, there are some who just happen to be, uh, they find themselves on the street, or they say uh, life was hard, their parents passed on, mother and mm-hmm. father, and there was no immediate next of kin or someone who sh- could show care, so they found themselves going to the street, or they had to run away from a home where they were not being taken care of carefully, you say, by their uncles, aunties, so they found it better to live alone. Right. And then there are those who are, they are young children, they have no idea about street life or city life they, that end up being exploited by people who want to benefit, who are bits of selfish. So they send them to the streets and they tell them you need to collect, like, right. beg. So, and then when you beg, you can bring a return so that we share. Right, and right. you find that instead of them being advised to them, say, go to school, because right. a person with such influence could recommend that the child goes to school right. or goes to a homestead or goes back home. Yeah, you, you find that such a child is given wrong advice. Mm-hmm. So some of them end up with innocently just doing what they're told mm-hmm. and they stay on the street because they think it's the way of getting quick money. Right. Yeah, so I think there are a lot more people to be held accountable. The leaders 
have to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And then for these children, because some of them are below 18, so you may not judge them directly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. especially those who are really young, those who are below 10 years, they, yeah. they, they may not know whether that they, what they're doing is wrong. Right. But now we need to look at ourselves. We, as a community, as a society, we have to put place a torch into ourselves and like, mm-hmm. what have we done? Right. Is it that we are letting things go on? Is it that the education is, uh, let me say, that the lifestyle is too expensive for some people? Or, like, what is it we're not doing? Mm-hmm. Is it that the schools are very expensive, let me say, that people fear going to school or they cannot afford the tuition, so they run to the streets to beg so that right. they can get some school fees? Because mm-hmm. they find that there are some children actually go on the streets, but they have genuine reasons. Let me say they are begging to go pay their tuition. Or you may have found a girl on the street who was once begging to go buy pads. Parts mm, oh like the administration for up periods. Right. So in such a case, you see, she has a genuine reason, but right. she's begging on the street. So they will end up asking, who is it that has not done their role? Is it the parent, or is it the leader? Is it the person in charge of taxes that has not allocated funds to the right cause? So to me, it's more of a, a cause that should involve everyone. Mm-hmm. That we should not give a deaf ear or close our eyes and turn oh, away. No, yeah. We need to. Find a solution that is sustainable and solves the issue right from the cause. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. Homelessness is a societal issue, right? I've only been here for four months and you've been here a lot longer. And given your work, I was wondering if you can speak a little bit to the entire... Because I've only really seen Kampala. Yes. Do you find that there are more beggars in the cities? Or is it pretty even throughout the country? Actually, from with my travel around the country, surprisingly, I would say there are more beggars in Kampala. I think it's a society design because mm-hmm. it's the capital city. Everyone thinks Kampala is where you need to get uh, ah. something. Yet, when you go up country, people are blessed. There are those who are farming. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? there are those who are farming and they're making. You find someone a family whereby they have a lot of land. They are growing food, mm-hmm. and they will be well off. Yeah, but it's a mindset that has corrupted many people to think that. Uh, like if I come to Kampala, that's where I'll get a lot of money. Yet, yeah, even yeah. in upcountry uh, places, let me say if you go to Arua, Gulu, there are people who are farming, like, and they're making ends meet, they're sending their children to school, and even the little children are having enough to eat. Right. So I think uh, we just need to deal with the mindset that some people have. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's not everywhere. It's just a few people who want to, let me say, exploit the situation that, there are more people maybe who don't know the root cause, so right, right, they would bring these young babies, uh, young young children, and place them on the street. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Some children just find themselves on the street because they think Kampala is where the biggest dreams are. But yeah. if you had to move around the whole country, people can survive anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like the country is blessed. We have very good weather. Mm-hmm. It rains almost two rain seasons. It's immensely blessed. Yes, yes. One of the reasons I'm here is because of the weather. Yeah, the weather, yeah. The sun is not that hot. In a month, it will rain at least once or twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very lush. And I've been told by other people, are the Ugandans, that anything you plant grows here. Yeah, the lands are very fertile. Yeah, yeah, which is wonderful. Yeah, but in design, I think it's just an aspect of policy and the way people have been made to think. There are some who are looking down on what they have in your hand. Actually, mm. so there are times where you go and beg, but you don't know that you have something already in your hand. Right, yeah. right, right. So, yeah, so you just need to change people's mindsets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, some people prefer more city urban life ah, yes. than rural life, yes. right? Because farming is very hard. It's very difficult. It's similar in the U.S. as well. There, yes. there are a lot of people who are leaving more rural life yes. to go into the city. Yeah. Part of it is, I imagine it's similar here, is that they find in the bigger city there's more acceptance of more kind of diversity. Yeah. Right? And sometimes in a rural life, you don't find it as much. You find more people who only want, yeah, more conservative people who only accept certain behaviors. Yeah. That sometimes you don't necessarily get along with that. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, but I think if we just kept people to reminding them that irrespective of where you are, like, you can work with what you have. Mm-hmm. In a way, and like, you don't need to look down on what you already have. Like, that story that says... I, I was crying that I didn't have shoes until when I found someone who didn't have feet <laughs> ah, <laughs> to keep quiet. Yeah. yeah, so I think all people are blessed, but it's just a matter of opening the minds. Mm-hmm. And even for those who maybe may not know, then let those who already know uh, find, take charge and responsibility to see how they can help their neighbor. Because mm-hmm. if you don't help your neighbor, the next day it will be your son who will be on the street. And yeah, say, yeah. You, uh, the parents of you passed on, and then your child is right there, yeah. and it ends up on the street. Like, or any of these situations, nothing is permanent. Like, yeah, things can end up yeah. turning, tables can turn. Yeah, yeah, and that comes through a lot in your poem. Like, yes. the second stanza, yes. especially when you're talking about this, and when you were talking about maybe the comments, you use a very inclusive way of talking about people who are begging, not necessarily that there are other, but that they are part of. Uganda. Yeah. Uganda as a almost as a human being. Yes. I call up to people to be if because Uganda's motto is for God and my country. Mm-hmm. Like to tell them like I call up to them not to be selfish, not to need to think of themselves. That mm-hmm. like, ah my, my family is fine. Let me close right. the door and like I stay in my fence at home. Mm-hmm. And whatever is happening out living it's none of my business. Right. So um, I call out to such people to change their mindset that tables can turn. Right. You need to be irrespective of your background, where you are, or where you're born in Kampala, because some people are born in Kampala, and I think yeah. they are privileged. You don't need to think that way. You need to think of the other side as well. Look at yourself in the mirror. What if it were you in that child's feet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, would, it, would you now rush and change the priorities? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So we need to think ahead and like take action. And then ask, probe ourselves, why is it happening? Are we only looking at the uh, secondary and tertiary causes? Mm-hmm. Let's go down and look at the primary causes. Let's understand the kind of people who are on the streets. Why is it happening? Right. Yeah. Right, and then right. we deal with the root causes. Yeah. Yes, that yeah, yeah. Well, in your work, you must come across research on yeah. why people go begging. Do you have some statistics on things like that? Have you uh, Have you read up on studies that? Give you some idea in terms of Uganda and Kampala, especially why do most of the beggars beg? I mean, you talked a little bit about maybe school fees or yeah. maybe girls who need to buy sanitary pads. Yeah. Are those the main reasons or do you find there are others? I think there are quite a number of reasons and they vary. Mm-hmm. Like with urbanization, you find mm-hmm. that some places are developing faster than Others, and so when people are investing, you find that the people who are in charge of, of development and investments skew it only within Kampala. Mm. So, if, let me say they could direct and set policies whereby investment should be done uniformly. 
yeah. we don't really think of camp, but I think there'll be more opportunities yeah. in other regions that people will accept what's wherever it is. Then the other one is, okay, yeah, lifestyle, there's a way of living that's expensive, mm. yeah, and uh, you find that tuition is increasing almost every day, so there are some people who cannot really? cope, so they would like to go find ways of how to top onto what they already have. Mm. 80% of our population are youth. Under so, 18? Yeah, they are youth below, below 35. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, okay. so you find that most of the resources are, are few. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it comes to the good schools. All of them want to go to the good schools. Right. But not everyone can afford. So the competition is really high. Right. Yeah, so it's more like survival for the fittest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, you, as you wrote in your yeah. poem as well. Yeah. Going back to the schools that you're yes. talking about, again, it's somewhat fact-checking. So in Uganda, school throughout life, you have to pay fees, right? Yeah, from, to, from the beginning to the end, basically. Yeah, actually, yeah, times have changed. In the earlier days, like in the 60s, there used to be scholarships, ah. uh, right, from like secondary going up. Those days, more than 50% of students used to be funded by the government. But nowadays, it's the, 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 the proportion has reduced. So you ah. find that the majority of students, close to even 80%, are privately funded. So okay. you know, your parents pay for you or you work towards paying for your tuition. Right, right. Yeah, like for me, I went to a private institution. My parents mm-hmm. paid part of my tuition, but I need I had to, to fend for my own on some other aspects. Right. Yeah, right. like uh, there's a feeding and all that. You had to find ways of how to work to top up on right. your needs. Right. So I may have been lucky, I should say, yeah, mm-hmm. because I found opportunities I had where I used to make ends meet. Right. Yeah, so I found small jobs. But there's some who can't get those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's youth who can get such opportunities. So they have to find ways. They'll either beg, right? Yeah. Now, if someone has failed to find such opportunities, or their parents have failed to find such opportunities when they're still young, they have an option. They, they are left with very few options. They just have to go down and beg. Yeah. I also find that there is a larger, large gap between those who are very privileged and yes. those who are not. Yeah. Right? There's not much in between. It's yes. Yeah, that's true. So from primary onwards, you have to pay for uniform everything, right? Yeah, you, you pay, pay you pay for everything. Actually, until even, even uh, secondary, you pay for yourself. The scholarships, there are very few scholarships. Especially. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are those which may be private, like different organizations mm-hmm. sponsoring students. But when it comes to public funding, right. the resource cap has reduced compared mm-hmm. to, I would say, 30 or 50 years back. Right, yeah, right. most students used to be funded those days mm-hmm. as compared to now. Right. And also the standards of living have increased. You find that most of the things that used to be free in most of these public universities, mm-hmm. a student has to pay. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Do you know if it's a policy decision or what is it that's shifting? I, th- I think it has to deal with its uh, political will. Uh-huh. That's by default. Policy has to come in. Right. So, and what what are what are the priorities that are that our leaders are having? But if you say the priorities were a bit different, say in terms of uh, say education and like <laughs> all students should study for free, mm-hmm. then that means most students will be going to school and they won't have to spend time doing odd jobs or begging. Right. Yeah. Right, so they'll exactly. just go in straight into school irrespective of the age. Right. Yeah. So our leaders need to reorganize their political interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of these things end up changing. 
That's mm. in my own view. Right. No, I think it's fair. And yeah. I think because of your work, you probably yeah. get a very wide view of what's going on. Yeah. Right? So policy comes in very much. But that has to have the involvement of many stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the leadership in the community, the citizens themselves, mm-hmm. how do they see yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. And the beneficiaries as well. Right. Yeah. I know there are, there are quite a lot of foreign investments here in Uganda. Yes. Um, do you find that the fact that they are sort of controlling where the money go also affects what's going on within? Pardon me? The, the fact that there are a lot of foreign investments yes, in yes. Uganda, yeah. do you find that their direction or foreign government or even foreign private charities coming yeah. in, do they direct where the money go as well? I think also that has a role to play. Mm-hmm. We find that different development partners have different development agendas. Right. We find that different countries only, there are those that are willing to invest in technology, mm-hmm. and there are those who are willing to invest in education, there are those who are interested in health, right. and there are those who are interested in infrastructure. Right. Like our, most of the support that our government has been receiving is, has been limited in terms of infrastructure. They build many roads. Right. So right. they look at building roads as a big as a big achievement. Right. Yeah. Right. Whereas some people are like, no, I think we should put the investment in health, build more mm-hmm, hospitals, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or train more doctors, right. pay them better. Right. And others are like, no, I think that would be a waste of resources. So it depends on also what the development partners are willing to invest in. Right. Yeah, and uh, right. put their money at. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Ultimately, it does come down to the local government, right? Yeah. Because the local government has to decide whether or not to prioritize certain or taking in certain aids, yes. right? And say, yeah. well, no, it's our country needs certain things. Yes. Right. Actually, yeah, true. The local government also has a role to play because it takes two to tango. Yeah. 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 So they organize their their priorities, and then if they do concur with uh, means the donors' priorities, mm-hmm. yeah, then they can meet halfway. Yeah. Sometimes, also it depends what they stand to lose or stand to gain. So yeah. So their the interest on either side, yeah. but mainly on the local government, matter. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like recently, we received funding for the northern bypass, the trail that has been built, the express highway. Which yeah, one? From China, the express highway that, yeah. that connects supposed to connect from. Into the airport to Kampala to reduce on the traffic within the city. Is that the Entebbe yeah, airport? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yesterday I was in a Uber and they were telling me that. Because our government was more interested in building roads mm. and uh, Duna was there, like, okay, let's get the one done. Yeah. yeah. But it's more for commerce, isn't it? It's more about moving goods from one area uh-huh, to yeah. another. Yeah. And it has a very self-interested aim, long, yeah. long-term aim, yeah. for both the foreign investors yeah. as well the as the government yeah. who are overseeing yes. locally. Yes. So it makes sense for them, but yeah. for the average people, not so much. So. True. Actually, what you're saying is really key because I think there needs to be a balance as we are looking at the long term. Mm-hmm. Let's also meet some needs of the people who are really living today or now. Because yeah. you yeah. may find that some of these investments, you may make investments for, let's say, the third and fourth generation, mm-hmm. and you forget to make an investment that's going to better the current people. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is need of meeting both needs mm-hmm. yeah, in a balanced way so that one doesn't outweigh the other. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think education, I, I mean, I'm huge on education. True, I me think, too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I think without education, you know, at least basic, at least up to secondary or finished secondary, yeah. 
people really don't have the basic knowledge or yeah. basic understanding of where to get knowledge yeah. to better their situation, yeah. to make informed choices yeah. in life. Yeah, actually, in line with that, it's because the original agenda why that like those roads were built, mm-hmm. they were to help let me say transporting of goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say travel from the villages to town. But if you right. only focus on the roads and right. you don't teach these people how to live or how to benefit, how to economically earn by equipping them with schools, then you won't have goods, anything to trade. Yeah. Or if you to trade, some items they won't be as good as. So I think there's need to create that balance. Like, yeah. like you said, so that at least what the resources you're putting there are being utilized very well. Yeah. And, and then also, if uh, people are educated well enough, you'll find that you spend less on maintaining most of these things. Let me say if it's a road, like people will be informed well enough to ensure that they keep appearances well as they've been said to be. Yeah. So if it's a road, if it's their drainage system, they will ensure that they don't just dump rubbish anywhere because yeah. they're educated. So right. in a way, you end up preserving what you've installed. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's right. for a long term as well, the educational. So, Let me know if it's incorrect. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of extractionary purposes for yeah. investing in yeah. Africa in general, but in Uganda especially, because it's so fertile, it produces a lot. It's so resource-rich, and there's a lot of foreign countries who come in who want to just in many ways, use the roads to transport to take out what they want to take out and not so much put in what needs to be put in, which to me is very sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you look at it in that way, yeah, because uh, you need to look at how you better the person who's giving you. Yeah. 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 How are they now? How are they five years from now? Yeah. Yeah, it has so, to be mutually beneficial. Yeah, give because, and take. Yeah, because I think even from a pure selfish perspective, yes. if you help the person that you're taking from, mm-hmm. they have more to give you yes. in a way, right? Yeah. Even from a long-term selfish perspective. Yeah, yeah. True, true. I feel like people and governments in terms of investment period, but African investment specifically, yeah. they don't think of it that way. Yeah. It's more like... We come in, we take whatever we can get, we leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And which is very sad because yeah. there's so much. We can all benefit both parties, as you said. It takes two to tangle. Two to tangle. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So the reason why I picked my poem was because I found similar aspects. Yeah. And my poem is called Sightseeing. Yeah. So I'm going to read that now. We can talk about it. True. Let's play tourists. We'll amble through the streets. Instead of lush forests with mossy floors, we'll camp on concrete. Our melanin camouflages our buried humanity to passers shoveling with ever-quickening feet, skirting the contagion embedded in our condition. No matter, we're the sojourners roaming on four wheels, dumpster diving before it became a thing. I'll don a lady's charms while you take on a tramp's deeds. Our possessions few, though exponential in value. Your chest, my pillow, warmer than feather downs. My fingers, your comb, your scalp, their dance ground. Surveying our tribe of increasing numbers, we are the villagers of this new fiefdom. Tent cities, they call our encampments, from towers well secured. But alarm systems and steel gates 
can't keep out a self-fulfilling fate. Very powerful piece. Thank you. Very powerful piece. The first time when I read it, when you said it to me, it had an aspect of urbanization mm. and like the cost that, or like at cities are developing at what cost? Mm-hmm. And what are the people experiencing mm-hmm. and seeing? So it makes someone get on the other side to see if someone has visited, like what do they see? Right. Especially visited tourists, what do they see? Yeah. What could they have seen before? And right. before the, right. the urbanization happened. Right. Yeah? yeah. So that's kind of the thin line between development mm-hmm. and no development, but at what cost? Yeah. Development and nature. Yeah. What do we choose? What do we preserve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wrote this poem after coming back from a poetry event in Phoenix. Okay. This particular street that had yeah. some uh, homeless people sleeping on the streets. Yes. But it actually reminded me of blocks and blocks and blocks of homeless encampments. Yeah in Los Angeles. And it's funny that you talk about the balance between urbanization and nature, because even though Los Angeles is much taller, much more urban than Kampala, it's similar in the sense that it has these beautiful national parks very close by. But it also, in the center, it has a lot of urban sprawl, a lot of concrete, a lot of very large buildings. When we talk about your poem, Beggar on the Street, is there's the idea of urbanization at what price? Yeah. You know, like, what do people come to see? Because Los Angeles is known for attracting people, not just because of Hollywood, which obviously True. attracts people, but also because of all these, because of Hollywood, in a way, it, it has a very diverse population. Yeah. But there are also the local population, yeah. and then there's this rural area because Los Angeles over the last hundred years has also grown a lot. I don't, yeah. I don't actually know its history a lot, but yeah. I was really surprised yeah. when I saw, and unlike Kampala, which has, I've seen beggars here and there. There are parts where there are more of them, but yeah. these were just like blocks and blocks i didn't know when it was going to end it was like an entire quarter of homeless encampments i imagine it's sort of like going into the refugee camps which is mind-boggling because most people when they think of america they can't picture that yeah and they never think of i was talking with some ethiopians who are visiting uh, for a conference here they were asking me if I see similar things to Kampala, to like near a rural park where there's a lot of commercial activity. And I was yeah. like, yeah, you actually see that. There are parts of the U.S. that are like this, yeah. but most people don't know about them yeah. because they are sort of our ugly, hidden side. Yeah, that's interesting. If I may ask, do you think these aspects, are there connections between humanity? Is it like the call for humanity? Do you see it having the same face in LA and let me say here? I think so. I think so because we're humans no matter where we are, right? And there is a tendency when you're in a area that are so full of people that are trying to compete. Yeah. And they all decided to come to this place because it's famous for 
you know, maybe making dreams come true. true, true, true. So to a degree, Kampala has, offers that as well, yeah, right? Yeah. So again, it goes back to what we're saying about diversity. LA yeah. offers a lot of diversity, and yeah. that's very attractive. Yeah. At the same time, because there are some people in LA because of the entertainment industry or whatever, yeah. they make so much money. Yeah. Their lifestyle is so luxurious. Yeah. I talk about gated communities, and yeah. you see here in Kampala a lot areas like Nakasero, Galolo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're all gated, and they're mansions hiding yeah. behind gates and huge walls. Yeah. But because they're there, and because they can afford certain areas, they can afford certain restaurants, that means they're pulling all the prices up. True. In Los Angeles, it's the same thing. The people who can afford to go to gated communities, who can live in these sort of private little neighborhoods, yeah. they're also pulling the prices up by so much that most of the people can no longer afford to have homes because True. all of the rents go up because yeah. of them. And so one of the things that I noticed when I was in L.A. Yeah. was the fact that these people, blocks upon blocks upon blocks of people, yeah. were living in beautiful tents. Yeah, they yeah. were nice tents. Yeah. Nice tents are expensive True. to buy. Yeah. Which means, uh, and, and statistics also show that in the U.S., is that many people who are living below poverty are working. True, true. So they are getting money, they're getting income, yeah. but it's not enough to afford housing. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad, but they still have the money to buy a nice tent. A nice tent. <laughs> True. But they don't have access to things like running water, indoor toilets. Yeah. Things that you would associate yeah. with L.A., with U.S. Yeah. in general. True. It's kind of insane yeah. to think of that. Nobody tells you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, I'm trying to see from what you explained, policy can affect more or less the same way people will remember, irrespective of where they are, mm-hmm. it's got the power to affect people either in a positive way or negative way. Yeah, I, I think there are definitely ways that policy could mitigate this problem of yeah. this sort of extreme pulling on two sides. Yeah. One side is extremely poor, the yeah. other side is extremely rich, and yeah. there's not much in between. Yeah. So not much room to migrate between one or the other and that's why i don't know if you know usually i find that people who live outside of the u.s know more about the u.s than certainly you know you know more about the u.s and the u.s people know about (laughs) uganda which is a very media (laughs) yeah yeah it's very uh unequal yeah this information yeah but yeah, I, I feel like with the election coming up, one of the things that I personally am interested in is to see who will implement policies. We are a free market economy. Yeah. That in some ways does foster some innovation. Yeah. I think human beings being as we are, yeah. even if we didn't have a free market, people would still want to innovate. Yeah, true. Right? This is just something that's very human we use our brains a lot (laughs) there are people who are not going to do that yeah but then they are people who are going to do that anyway because innovation doesn't come from just having a free market free market helps so one of the things i'm looking for is that because of current policy which is saying oh you're rich 
Let us give you more free things. Yeah. Let us give you more tax breaks. Yeah. Which is insane because they are yeah. already rich. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that saying, oh, I forget the same, basically saying that the more power you have, the more responsibility you have. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like in both uh, Uganda as in the U.S., um, the tendency is towards more power, more corruption rather True. than more power, more responsibility. more responsibility. And I think that's not very helpful. As you pointed out about the foreign investments as well, is yeah. that it doesn't help the people who have the money who yeah. are super rich true, true, either. True. Because looking from Kampala, yeah. it, it, it's the same in the U.S. as well. Yeah. Is that I find that if they don't take their money, they don't say, okay, you know what? I'm going to be responsible to this country. I'm going to be grateful to the country where I'm getting a lot of riches yeah. from. I'm going to pay it back to this yeah. country. I'm going to make sure this country does at least relatively well. Yeah. Then everybody is... Uh, worse off, yeah. using Kampala as an example, but also U.S., is that you see the super rich, yeah, they're living behind these barbed wires. Yeah. They're living behind these tall walls. Yeah. But they have to deal with everyday people. True, true, and true. if the everyday people do not have the education, yeah. and or because they don't have the education to take care of the infrastructure, then infrastructure is going to break down very quickly. Yeah, so these rich people, it doesn't matter that they have drivers, yeah, they yeah. have private cars, yeah. they still have to spend most of their time sitting in traffic yeah. because everybody is saying, okay, this is a society where we take care of ourselves yeah. first. It breeds very selfish behavior. True, true, true. And I feel the same thing in the U.S. Yeah. as well. It's, uh, I mean, you can see by who we have as president. Yeah, it's yeah. very selfish behavior, yeah. and it it didn't end well. You know, I yeah. don't I don't know. You know, medieval history. Yeah, we have some something like that as well. All yeah. over the world, there's something like that. Very few people, very rich. Yeah, and they took care of their some of their yeah, immediate circle, yeah. circles, and that's it. And if you're lucky, you are you get in good with them, and you yeah. get lucky. But most people are not. Yeah. But then that's not good for them either because they depended on taking taxes from the people. Yeah. But if the people have nothing, they have nothing to give. Yeah, true, true. true. So that's why it didn't work. It went away because it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why we're going back to a similar system. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It reminds me in health, is what we call herd immunity. Mm -hmm. Herd immunity is whereby if, and let me say it comes to polio, Mm -hmm. Or if majority of the people in the area I'm, I'm living in are mm -hmm. immunized, mm -hmm. I end up being protected because yeah. these people can't get medicine, they can't be infected yeah, by the so in a way because the people who surround me can't be infected, mm -hmm. I end up being protected even if I'm not immunized. Right. Yeah. So it's when I look at society, I look at it in that way. Mm -hmm. So we need to like always consider the people who are around us, irrespective whether they're poor or rich, because mm -hmm. in a way things trickle down back to us. Right. We all breathe like in the same air and all that. Yes. Yeah. So if uh, if my neighbor's children are immunized, somehow in a way I get protected. Yeah. So the rich should not only look at themselves as I'm rich. Right. But we need to also look at the people around. Are they fine? Uh, let me say if there is a campaign, have they also taken part? Like such such things. So that in a way we are stronger together. Yeah. Some of that sort, yeah. irrespective of who is who, because we are all humans. Right. So, yeah, 
like you said, the environment is a perfect example of that. Because, yes, when you go to Navasero, when you go to Kalolo, you get to see a lot of garden. The air is a little bit better. But that little clump of vegetation cannot absorb all of the pollution that's in Kampala. True, true, true. And so it would be better if pollution was kept down, similar to what I was saying about the congestion as well is that if everybody was better off, then the super rich, despite their money, wouldn't, you know, (laughs) have to sit in traffic just like everybody else. And they keep on wondering, why is it, why is it, yeah. Yeah, because because everybody else has to, they're they're worried they need to get to where they are. So, you know, everybody's using the bodas. Yesterday, it was insane. I made the mistake of trying to go somewhere in an Uber around 4 o'clock, you know, the worst time possible. It was insane. It was like a two-lane street that had five lanes of traffic. (laughs) So it's the same with air, you know? It's like if we have more of these parks, if we allow people to have better life, to have better infrastructure all around, everybody benefits. benefits. Because the super rich in Kampala... They have to go to Europe. They yeah. have to go to America True. in order to purchase new cars, in order to purchase new fashion, in order to do these True. things. Whereas if everybody was better off, if we cultivate this, you know, all this beautiful artisanship that yeah. you know you see at 32 degrees, yeah. if you cultivate the local ones, you could have this quality of life locally. You don't yeah. have to go all the way to yeah. Europe to get it, or True. all the way to America, or yeah. even to China to get these things, yeah. right? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I, I feel like because everybody is worse off, even the super rich is actually worse off. Their yeah. standard of living is lower. Yeah. Actually, actually, that explains people end up wondering why. Why is it necessary that thieves in this area? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Why is it that there are many like going back to the aspect of beggars and what? Yeah, yeah. it's because for us we think we are fine and mm-hmm. we forget to take care of their issues. Right. But if we could equip the neighbors, see their skills, and say, "I the artisans, yeah, oh, we, 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 then we empower them and then right. we buy from them. They right. also end up valuing the skill they have at hand. Yeah. 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 Then, in a way, they won't end up disturbing my children at my place. Right. Yeah. They yeah. won't end up stealing. Like their children won't end up becoming thieves or and vice versa. Or right. they won't right. become wrongdoers in the community because right. they value the skill they have at hand. Yeah. And you find that most, some of these communities whereby only people are selfish and thinking about themselves, they don't even think of how to help a neighbor no. polish their skill and talent. So yeah. that's the only thing about it. So, and then in the long run, when it catches up, yeah, yeah, let me say, and uh, the neighbors' children, you say, end up becoming notorious and affecting their well being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then they're concerned yeah. because it has to come to their door. Yeah. I mean, that's why the ending of my poem is yeah. I'm saying this is a self fulfilling fate. Yeah. Even though the super rich has a bigger buffer zone yeah. than the rest of the people who are not as well off the buffer zone becomes thinner and thinner. And at some point, it's going to reach them. I mean, who cares if they have a 10-foot wall, right? You can just get a wooden ladder. I see how many people use wooden ladders. They're not hard to make. How much protection can a door really give you if people want to come in, right? Yeah, exactly. This is a problem that 
in medieval times, we're talking about like 800 years ago, the sieges, they've already solved this problem. So it doesn't make any sense. It's all like psychological, but more very short-term thinking. So I find it really interesting that, you know, even though we come from supposedly very different worlds and we're geographically very far apart, well, when it comes to human nature, it's human yeah. nature. True, true, true. Actually, bringing up the aspect of humanism, humanity, mm. it's humanity. I was sharing with a friend of mine sometime about when he speaks of corruption because of the selfish aspect. Mm-hmm. So someone will go and embezzle funds to mm-hmm. ensure they have the trips they want to have, send their children to the best schools. Yeah. But let me say, if they are taking money, funds meant for the road, mm-hmm. yeah? You find that that road is not okay. They think they are doing right now. They are taking care of their themselves and their children. But when that road is not okay, chances are high. Five years down the road, their son or daughter or their nephew or family will be using that road. Yeah. And they'll get an accident on that road. Right. And the end, they'll be like, why? And then it all comes back to what? Because they stole the money. Uh-huh. Yeah, made for everyone's good. Yeah. You see, yeah. the road is going to be used by everyone. But yeah. when you when we forget the aspect of humanity and when we think of ourselves, it always catches up with us. Mm-hmm. Or imagine a doctor who's stealing drugs, or someone who's meant to provide medicines in a hospital, and then you take them for self good, you trade them mm-hmm. because, and then you deny these poor people who are meant to get those let me say drugs for free, yeah. but because they had a selfish interest. So when they go and fall sick, yeah, and then along the way they interact with your children, or them, themselves, oh themselves, right? yeah, yeah, as you're driving out of something, like, and then you get affected because this person. Like going back to the aspect of immunity and protection, the ones. Yeah, exactly. It always ends up catching up with you. Yeah. And yet, if you are generous and you ended up thinking of the community as a whole, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's not only about you, but even your neighbor. Right. There's a way in which you, you add protection to yourself. Yeah. Like add, yeah. Like they call it hard immunity. Yeah. yeah, it is. Her community, I mean, this is how they're protecting people in, in DRC yeah. against Ebola. This yeah, humanize many yeah. people, just yeah, a bit spread. You, you kind of protect Yeah, you basically do like a human wall of yeah. protection kind of. Irrespective of whether someone is poor or rich, irrespective of. <laughs> yeah, it's basically who you come in contact with. Yeah. And this is something important to learn. I feel like there's a lot of repeated patterns within our lives, even if it's not in the same realm, you know, if it's not in infrastructure, it's in health, public health, or it's in tourism. Most of these things, there's a lot of repetition of what's going on. Actually, I don't know whether I should call it the principle or the ideology. The principle Mm -hmm. is the same. It's more like it applies well, well, well. Yeah it's more or less the same. Yeah, well, and also because at the end of the day, everything is all human-based, yeah. right? So it's 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 about how we interact with each other. Yeah. Because it's something that I always thought about whenever, you know, when, when you get like MTN or, or AfroCell, yeah. you know, when you get bad service, you call people. Yeah. But if you're talking with people who are not as educated on the other side of the line, what happens is that you don't get very good service yeah. and then your day is kind of ruined mm-hmm. and you go ruin somebody else's day sure. because you're in a bad mood. And sometimes you may not realize, well, why, why do I have this headache? But they don't know that it's because of... Yeah, because you're, you're yeah. having a bad day. There's all these little things, you yeah. know, like it takes so much longer to get from point A to point B. Yeah. I mean, congestion, even though it's not 
LA has very con- bad congestion, yeah. going back to LA in comparison yeah. to Kampala. The quality of roads might be better, there might be more highways, but yeah. it's the same. People have to sit there because there are just certain things are not working well because yeah. there are not enough public transportation. Yeah. You know, if you have more public transportation in Kampala, yeah. you have more in LA, it has decent, but it's not great, then it will take less from congestion. It will basically free up more of your time, more business. of everybody's time. Business will be done much faster. People yeah. will get ready have to go much faster. Yeah. It's just about you. Yeah, basically yeah. you're gaining time you're, in life. Actually, you're gaining time. You know? Yeah, and time is so precious Very in human precious. life, isn't yeah. it? So it's, it's amazing that yeah. all of the, these things all come down to sort of like, how do we help other people even if you're very selfish you can think of how do i help other people in order to help myself actually i think that's kind of enough you don't help myself you look at it in that way even if you aren't going to somehow you end up yeah at least which is better it's a better position yeah yeah exactly i feel like most people don't think even that far which is just like one step above oh just let me take whatever i can get yeah that's that's very interesting (laughs) very very yeah, it's great talking with you. So I wanted to know, in closing, where people can, you know, when they come to Kampala or, you know, in Uganda period, where they can re- see you read, yeah. where they can find your work, how they can follow you. Okay. If they happen to be in Kampala, my books are at Aristoc. Aristoc is one of the biggest bookshops in, oh, yes. in Kampala. The- What's the name of the mall again? Akasha Mall. Right? Uh, there's Akasha Garden. There's one at, at Garden Tua, City. Yeah, at Garden City. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I live on Kampala Road. Uh, they, yeah. Okay. So they have three branches. They have actually five branches. Really? So Akasha, Garden City, Kampala Road. Yeah. Okay. Around the country. Then uh, if they searched for open mic brand, usually personally I'm at the open mics with some of my books. Right, right. And then if, if they also search for turn the page Africa oh, it's a okay. site uh, okay. where they do deliver and post wherever the person may be. Okay. Yeah. Then on Amazon, like I earlier said, the book is available if they went on uh, online and just search for Ivory Footprints. Okay, Ivory Footprints. Yeah, the book will come up there okay. so they can order a hard copy, paperback or something to read on Kindle. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And in terms of social media, are you on social media? Yeah, I'm on social media. Okay. Uh, they can find me on, on Twitter. I use at Sesanga Dennis. Okay. Yeah, then as well, my, on Facebook, I'm there, Sesanga Dennis Ernest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you on Instagram? Instagram as well, Sesanga Dennis. Sesanga. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. This has yeah. been a wonderful talk. Yeah, and as well also on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Oh, you're on LinkedIn as yeah. well. Okay. You said Open Mic Uganda. I forget. It's still at the Lazy Pony, right? Yeah, Lazy Pony. Is it second Thursday? It used to be every other Thursday. Yeah, but what yeah. is it now? Yeah, right now, because we've been having the project in in the refugee camp, ah, okay. we took a break to okay. first uh, okay, okay. give back to those people in okay. the refugee camp. Yeah, it's very yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I admire Uganda for this because you know you have the biggest refugee population actually, in yeah. Africa. Actually, our policy is more tolerant in the whole world, mm-hmm. and we have one of the best policies mm-hmm. when it comes to to refugees. Like they can easily open up a business in the country, mm-hmm. they can own property in the country, and if they want to 
have activities mm-hmm. done. Say, if one was a farm and what, it's there are those provisions. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really appreciate that coming from a country that's super rich, but yes. is saying, oh no, we don't, we can't afford <laughs> to have people come in. Yeah. Even though we contribute to some of their many of their problems, it's very nice to see that in Uganda. Yeah, I actually, our country is diverse, but we still welcome more people living in London like us. Yeah. Good, good, good. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. Really it. Thank you to us. Well. <laughs> it was exciting. <laughs> yeah. As always, you can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.